That was definitely an adjustment for me coming from Wall Street, where I was always trying to look older. You're wearing suits and being very formal. And then I entered the startup world and I remember um, the founder said, you know, we didn't almost didn't hire you because you wore a suit to the interview. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So how do you break into venture capital? Great question. And I think when you talk to most people, they'll probably tell you, oh, I I just got lucky. You know? This week, breaking into venture with Allison Baum-Gates, a general partner at Semper Virens and the brand new author of Breaking into venture, an outsider turned venture capitalist shares how to take risks, create power, and build life-changing wealth. One of the blurbs of your book says it's written for people who don't even know where Sand Hill Road is. Mm -hmm. And this sounds silly coming from a podcast host where the name of the podcast is Sand Hill Road and anyone listening to a podcast called Sand Hill Road. But tell me, <laughs> where is, what is Sand Hill Road? Well, Sand Hill Road is similar to Hollywood for movies or Wall Street for the financial industry. It is often seen as the mecca and the main strip for venture capital. And there are reasons why that is and also reasons why it's changing. But it's certainly a symbol of how in the know you are, whether or not you know what Sandhill Road is. How do people break into venture capital? There's three pieces. Um, and I try to be, uh, a, I try to mix being kind of formulaic, right? Because there is a model that we know works, but also you have to improvise and kind of capitalize on what's unique to you. So I'm guessing the formula that works is go to Stanford or Harvard and uh, exactly. sell, sell a company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So come from a rich family, yeah. <laughs> go to an Ivy League school, <laughs> buy a Patagonia vest, and uh, make Well, that concludes it then. My yeah, guest okay. has been. Yeah, and no. that's the book's very short, actually. So, <laughs> um, yes, of course, there's there's certainly um, a formula that has worked historically because venture has been 
pretty homogenous. But today, I think if you follow kind of three guiding principles, you can break into venture, um, whether it means raising venture capital as an entrepreneur or working at a venture-backed startup, becoming an advisor. There's all these different flavors of how you can get involved. But it really comes down to three things. And I call them the three A's because I have a bad memory. So <laughs> I like alliteration. Um, one is access. So you have to have the ability to access great opportunities. Um, that comes down to who you know. It comes down to how you tell your story. And it comes down to, you know, how you look for these opportunities. Second piece is analyze. So how do you pick the right opportunities, especially in a world driven by technology? We have so many different choices and how you figure out which ones to pursue or how you figure out which investments to actually make, um, whether that's a, a money investment or a time investment or a network investment, um, that's absolutely critical to breaking in successfully. And then the third piece is adding value. So what can you actually bring to the table? When you invest in public markets, you can't influence the outcome of the investments you make. Um, you can try to predict them, but you absolutely can't impact them. So in the private markets, that's not the case. I mean, part of the promise of venture capital is that you bring in investors that are more likely to make you successful. And so you have to figure out how you can actually add value. So if you do those three things, you can absolutely break into venture. Let's let's uh, circle back to access. And that is uh, that has been an issue for women and people of color in the past. It's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we talk about that issue on this podcast, the answer I usually get is, well, we need to we need to bulk up the pipeline. You know, mm-hmm. wait a few years and we'll have this solved. Right. Uh, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that is a problem. But I think that really it comes down to how the industry operates. And exclusivity in venture capital is a feature. It's not a bug. And um, I think it's important if you're trying to break in to understand that, but then also understand how you can navigate it. How do you figure out how to make yourself more likely to succeed by investing time in the right relationships Um, representing yourself and how to, I think, especially as a woman or a person of color who comes from an underrepresented background, how to stop looking for mentors. I think we talk a lot about kind of, we need mentors. Well, you know what? I've had plenty of mentors and what worked for them isn't what's going to work for me because we are different. And there are very few examples of, oh, this person followed this path and, and that applies to me. Look for collaborators, not role models. You know, if you're breaking into the industry, you need people that are going to send you deals that are going to invite you to events, that are going to introduce you to LPs. And you need to find those kind of people. And when you do find them, you know, invest your time, invest your capital and your reputation with them because they're the ones that are going to be successful and they're the ones that are going to be able to actually help you be successful as well. You're not shy about saying that the world of venture capital can be lucrative uh, for people who get involved. And it is, but many, many VC are wealthy, but it's not something people on Sand Hill Road talk about very much. It's it's a bit gauche. I mean, generally speaking, the fanciest car in a Sand Hill Road parking lot is going to be like a Tesla Model S, which is a very expensive <laughs> car, don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, we don't talk often about how profitable this business can be to the individual involved. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I think that's actually somewhat of a recent phenomenon where it used to be a much more flashy industry, but it kind of ended up turning on its head and you have to know the inside 
scoop to know that, you know, looking rich is not cool in venture <laughs> capital anymore. In fact, you know, the cheaper outfit that you that you wear, um, the cooler you, Oft, you oftentimes seem. with our uh with our television show press here, we have a green room that we place the guests in and and, uh, you know, uh, somebody from a mid-cap company, a CEO from a mid-cap company will come with a, a publicist, an assistant, and probably somebody else. Yeah. And then somebody who runs a venture capital firm will just drive up in their own Prius. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, be wearing jeans Exactly. And all by themselves. Yes, yes. That was definitely an adjustment for me coming from Wall Street, where I was always trying to look older. You're wearing suits and being very formal. And then I entered the startup world. And I remember um, the founders of General Assembly said, you know, we didn't almost didn't hire you because you wore a suit to the interview. But then, you know, we decided you were cool. And I didn't have any casual clothes anymore. And so I was wearing my clothes from high school. And I just remember somebody asking me, like, are those Abercrombie bell-bottom <laughs> jeans? And I was like, yeah, they are, actually, because <laughs> that's all I've got left. Um, but yeah, it's funny. One of the... Um, I interview a bunch of other general partners at venture funds in the book. And uh, one woman I interviewed, I asked the question, when did you first learn about venture capital? Because one of the things that has always fascinated me about this industry is, you know, of course, we're in our little bubble here where everyone knows what VC is. But when it comes to Main Street America, most people have never heard of venture capital. And so I, I asked everybody that I spoke to, when did you first learn about venture? And um, Vanessa Larco, who's an investor at NEA, uh, told a story about how the first time she ever heard of venture capital was when she was driving um, here with her brother and she saw Lamborghini on, <laughs> on the highway. And she was like, wow, that's so obnoxious, so flashy. You know, why is there a Lamborghini in this area? And, and her brother said, oh, that's one of the VCs. <laughs> so I think there is um, a fine line there. But one of the things that's so confusing about venture is we definitely have our own language. And so, you know, it's cool to look not rich and not important. And that actually communicates how rich and important you are. So you can see why that might be conf confusing for somebody that hasn't spent time in yes. this industry, right? And there's somebody, I wish I could give credit to it, but when you see a, a you know, a room full of uh, people in sweatshirts and one guy in a suit, then the person in the suit is the most important room in the room. <laughs> but if it's a room full of people in suits and one person's wearing a sweatshirt, oh yeah, that's the most important person in the room. Yep. Absolutely. Although definitely applies differently to women and underrepresented minorities, I do believe. That's, that that's got to be a, a tougher, you know, just even, I know women have trouble figuring out what to wear even on casual Friday, much less uh, right. to a board meeting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where everyone wears hoodies. Exactly. Um, I don't get quite the same reaction from people when I wear hoodies. I tried, but it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think another uh, bias or or is the trend or the darling of the month, uh, you know, subscription boxes, mm-hmm. driverless cars, big data, yeah. crypto. Now we have generative AI. Doesn't mean any of those things are not possible money makers. But it means you see, oh, we're a big data company. Right. Uh, we're, we're a machine learning company. Were you? Because yesterday you were not a machine learning company. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, as, a, as an investor, you have to be aware, even as other people are pressing you, we need to be in generative AI right now. Right. You need to be able to say, we don't know anything about generative AI. Right. Or this person doesn't know anything about <laughs> yeah, generative this AI. This company that we were thinking about investing in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that's most fun about this job, I think, is being an investigative reporter and kind of going uh, beneath the surface and saying, you know, what do they know and what have they produced and doing back channel references and um, running that process. I talk a lot about back channeling in the book. You know, you think that being in venture is just all about the conversation you're having at that moment with that person, but it's actually not. There are thousands of other conversations that have happened around that and will happen after it in order to actually make it successful or worthwhile. Um, and so doing that homework is is absolutely critical. But I, I think it's also important to understand why that is the dynamic in venture capital. And, you know, when you have a really hot topic, then there's actually a lot more money flowing into a space than there are great opportunities to invest. And so that starts to drive up valuations, which creates the incentive for founders to say that that's what they're doing because then they can actually raise money at a higher valuation because they have this special technology. You have a degree in economics from Harvard, and you teach at both Columbia and Cal, and I kind of want to conclude with some some economic thoughts. Uh, as you and I are sitting down, the latest inflation numbers just came out, up 0.5% uh, for the month-to-month, uh, down from summer highs. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day titled, uh, Harder Soft Landing, Some Economists See Neither If Growth accelerates because we've gotten phenomenal job numbers lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inflation seems to be easing, but in Silicon Valley, all these layoffs, uh, talk of, you know, venture, you know, withdrawing some, some, not withdrawing current funding, but Mm -hmm. rethinking funding. Are we taking some of these threats too seriously? Because some of the data doesn't support it. Well, I mean, what does it mean to really take a threat too seriously? I suppose it's always good to be cautious and to approach any opportunity or landscape with a healthy amount of of skepticism and cynicism. But I also think as venture capitalists, we are eternal optimists. Our perspective has to be that the next world-changing technology could be around the corner. There is a lot of money that is sitting on the sidelines in venture capital waiting to invest. And we've been in an environment, the disruption of the pandemic um, was, uh, 
definitely a catalyst for the adoption of new technologies and rethinking the way we do things. We always talk about disruption and here we go, we had the disruption. But now we we have to sort through uh, what happened and what things will look like in the long term. And there has been a lot of investment in new companies that, you know, that were, they were able to get early traction. And so signals have been mixed. And so I think for now, it comes back to really doing great diligence and looking for founders that know how to navigate on certain times. Um, But this is a more exciting time than ever for venture capital. Um, There will be some carnage. I think there are a lot of companies out there that have been funded that shouldn't have been. And you have to remember that the venture capital model is that, you know, a lot of your companies will go to zero. Failure is part of the process. And so um, now is the time when we're going to see really big winners emerge. And um, growth is not free. It will come um, at a cost. And founders that know how to navigate that um, will do well in the long run, for sure. Allison Baum-Gates, her new book is Breaking Into Venture. Next week on Sand Hill Road, Tomas Tungus. Uh, actually, the hardest part of the last three or four, well, maybe five to six weeks has been getting a bank account. It's really unusual. A lot of the big banks like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and Bank of America and Citi, we were refused. <laughs> you have $230 million to <laughs> we deposit. Are, we are an unappealing customer. For some reason, I can't figure out. So we're almost there. I finally figured out where to get a bank account. But that's been actually really hard. It's like surprisingly hard. Tomash has a new firm, a new fund, and $230 million in promises from limited partners and no place to put it. Hey, favor before we go, give us a review, a thumbs up or stars or whatever your podcast platform uses, or a thumbs down. I'm not telling you what to do. But the very existence of that review helps surface the podcast to other listeners. So more people around the nation and the world Hear the tales of Sand Hill Road. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.